Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Sure, it's great to have you on The Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. We have a very special guest today out of Mississippi, formerly Chicago. Uh, she's an author because netiquette matters, and her name is Judith Callis. Uh, we're going to be uh, joining up with uh, Judith here for uh, three segments on The Advertising Show. Lots of great stuff as well. We've got Patrick Meyer with us. Here and uh, in just a few moments away, Jeffrey Ginner is going to be talking about selling versus asking questions. So that's coming up uh, momentarily on the advertising show. You know, I, Brad, I finally got a new phone. It's, it is a Verizon phone. It is an okay phone. It's one of those chocolate phones, which is kind of interesting. But hmm. the reason I'm uh, bringing that up is there's something new. This is out of Las Vegas, out of Advertising Age. It says, at the 2007 International Consumer Electronics Show, two of the nation's largest uh, telecom companies unveiled initiatives that bet consumers will want to access content, including live television through their cell phones. And this is a V-Cast phone, uh, which is my chocolate. I'm happy. Hmm. Uh, you have uh, pardon me? Yours is a Vcast as it's well? It's a Vcast as well. It says, at mm. launch, Vcast Mobile TV will have channels with content from CBS, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, MTV, Fox, NBC News, and NBC Entertainment. In addition, the service will allow subscribers to add premium services, the equivalent of an HBO of Verizon representative said. That's pretty cool. That's hmm. really neat. You can get, you know, things like uh, CSI, Late Night with Letterman, which would be kind of fun. So uh, it's uh, airing on CBS's Vcast channel. Live TV on the Vcast channel. How hmm. about that? Well, you know, as often as you and I have mentioned your unhappiness with Verizon, I see they must have sent you a Christmas gift this year. Well, they finally addressed my issues. It did cost me <laughs> 5 bucks a month for their lousy insurance, though. Well, you know, that's not a bad idea. If it ever starts acting up on you and you didn't hear this from me, throw it in your swimming pool <laughs> and then take it in and, and you get a on. new one. Yes. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> the most successful uh, brand integrations, Ray, in a, a TV show last year, I sound like this is the Oscars, uh, the one that generated the most, uh, the greatest positive shift in consumer opinion uh, was CVS, the drugstore chain, of course, okay, okay. which provided uh, free post-surgery medication to a patient on the ABC reality TV show, uh, Miracle Worker, and according to data from IAG Research, delivered uh, the greatest percentage of viewers who both recalled the brand and cited a positive uh, shift uh, in their opinion of it. And just by uh, comparison, uh, 13 uh, viewers 13 years and older, uh, CVS topped the, a GMC effort, which I thought this was uh, quite a, uh, hmm. an accomplishment by CVS to uh, to have uh, topped the effort by GMC, who uh, did a similar did a uh, placement with Bravo's Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, uh, where the makeover kings, or as I like to say, makeover queens, yeah. uh, drove a, a GM SUV. They would like knowing I'm calling them that. Uh, a GM SUV okay. during no, all Brad. the episodes. Yeah, Brad, quit teasing us. Right. Uh, the third Third place uh, uh, went to Sears on ABC Extreme Makeover, your favorite, Home Edition. Yeah, right. Yeah, the retailer provided all the tools, furniture, clothing, appliances, and supplies for each of the house be- houses being remodeled. So yeah. uh, that's, that's pretty cool. And the, the Extreme Makeover, 
Home Edition. That's incredible what those people get. I mean, yeah. it's beyond belief. Uh, Did you? Would you have known Sears was a major uh, provider of uh, of very much so? Yeah, it's yeah. very it's very blatant, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bob but, Vila started doing that uh, that stuff a long time ago as well. Yeah. He'd say, you know, uh, you'd be better off if you got this uh, this jackhammer. It's a Sears uh, <laughs> heavy duty 1200. Uh, works real good on cement. So you well, know, and th- as a little insider, the part of him doing a little bit too much of that, I think, is what threw him off of, uh, got him thrown off of uh, PBS, and then he went on to a commercial uh, version of, of that, and yeah, the the product placements uh, took off from there, but apparently he was maybe getting a little too close to some of his uh, product providers on I don't the know. PBS television version of Home Improvement or whatever well, I don't was. know about that. because This it, old house. I the, think this was. old house, yeah, yeah. They keep pretty tight reins on, uh, on what those guys do, Yeah, uh, but uh, I, I don't well, know. I, I think it was more of a personality clash between the two. Is that guys. right? It would be good to uh, it would be good to ask Alex Ben Block his take on that. He next would week know. On the Ed show. So. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, right. But it's still it's still a great show. And now uh, uh, this old house has gone through now its third. Well, it's current the third uh, third host on the show. Best thing that ever happened to Bob Vila was getting thrown off that show. I mean, Bob's guy, made a know, couple of bucks. Spokesman for True Value and a bunch of other things. Well, actually, so. he was spokesman for Sears. He was a Sears spokesman oh, Sears. before that. Yeah, and he actually, I met him one time in a Sears store of all places. Like, my what, God, what are you doing in a Sears store? Were his hands rough? No, they weren't. And <laughs> yeah. you, you asked me that question because I think I told you that story before. I shook his hands like, you've never touched a tool. Come on, Bob. <laughs> Come on, tell the truth. Hey, yeah. Jeffrey Gittimer. gloves. Jeffrey Gittimer, who we have shaken hands with, uh, his hands are kind of rough, too. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. The most powerful element of selling is actually asking. So if you know that questions are critical, why are you spending more time watching TV reruns than you are developing new questions? Note, I just asked you a question. If you know that questions are critical, why don't you have a list of 25 questions that you're certain that your prospect has not heard before and more certain that your competition is not asking? The more thought-provoking your questions, the more your prospective buyer will respect you. The higher that respect level is, the more likely they are to be truthful with you and give you insight into the key factors that will determine the sale, their key buying motives. They will also begin to share truth about how the decision is made, not who makes it, how the decision is made. Every minute you're in front of a prospect, they're deciding how much they like you, how much they believe you, how much they respect you, how much confidence they have in you, and how much they trust you. You know, you're trying to qualify the prospect. Guess what? They're qualifying you. And all of these factors determine whether or not they're going to buy from you. A sale will always be made. Either you sell them on yes or they sell you on no. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer. 
reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. We're going to make sure that our executive producer, Bruce Abbott, gets to the doctor soon. He's had that cold now in the uh, intro and outro of that feature here for the mm-hmm. past five years. At least five and years. And I don't think that's good. You know, it's, it's, he, he puts up with it, but he sneezes a lot. He, he needs to go to the doctor. Yeah. And, you know, turn your head and cough would probably be a good thing to remind him when, before he goes to the doctor. Certainly. And you know why they do that. Because they don't want germs in their face, absolutely. That's correct. Judith a lot of Callos. people don't know that. They don't want germs on the net either. Judith Callos is author of Because uh, Netiquette Matters. A successful technologist who's specializing in bringing the opportunity and benefits of technology to businessmen and women across the country, not to exclude Hawaii. Okay? So uh, Judith is uh, coming up next here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And we hope you stay with us. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, things go better with Coca-Cola, things go better with Coke. Life is much more fun when you're refreshed. And Coke refreshes you best. It's the refreshingest. Our special guest uh, this segment and a couple more, too, this week here on the Advertising Show is Judith Kalos, author of Because Netiquette Matters. I want to read uh, just a couple of things here. We talked about uh, her successful uh, technology uh, opportunities and uh, things that she does with uh, clients around the country, starting her own uh, Internet consulting and web production firm back in 1995, winning awards, the 1997 Marketing Masters Award, the HTML Writers Guild, and uh, so on. But here's some uh, other stuff about uh, you need to know. Know about Judith. She says, I've been online before most over decade. What does that mean? Online before most over decade. It's, it's yeah, I know, woohoo. It's I'll share my real world experience about what I know it takes to thrive online because I've done it myself with my own websites. And I don't just talk the talk, I walk the walk. We would like you to do both uh, this evening, uh, this afternoon, Judith. So welcome to the advertising show. It's great to have you here. Great to be here, guys. Yeah, and uh, Ray and I came across the uh, article, I think it was in the New York Times, and, and came to know you, Judith. And uh, before we talk about uh, what really is a must-have book for anyone online, and I guess that's you know everybody listening today as well as uh, uh, 90-some-odd percentage of, of all people in, uh, in business today in the U.S., I would hope. Uh, I'm saying 90% because I guess there's 10% of those idiots out there still waiting to return your and my email, Ray. Yeah, right. But uh, uh, before we begin talking about your book. Tell us a little bit, Judith, about your company, Internet Studios. Well, basically what I do is I, I take established site owners and take them to the next level, which is basically, as you know, marketing. I mean, you can have the best site out there. If people don't know how to manage it properly or market it, it's like a waste of time and money. So that's how I got into the email etiquette thing, because email etiquette is part of branding. And if you do that in an improper way, you're going to leave a negative perception. It could cause people to go to your competitors. And it's just not a good thing. So, but yeah, a, lot of kids, a lot of people don't know about this stuff, or they've never thought about it, or their employers haven't coached them, and that's where I come in. Yeah, it seems like everyone's pretty much making up their own rules as they go along. At what point uh, in, in the evolution of, of uh, online communication did you realize there was a need for an Emily Post of cyberspace, Judith? Well, you know, for whatever reason, right in the very beginning, because I had these clients who were, you know, award winners in their field or PhDs, highly educated, and they would start emailing me, and I was 
really taken aback because if I didn't know how good, how smart, how wonderful they were, I would wonder if they made it out of sixth grade by virtue of their emails. <laughs> so that's when I started really getting involved in it and doing some research on it. And then in teaching my clients, I put it on my site and it took a life of its own. And now it's its own site and, you know, the rest of it. But um, it's useful information that, it, you know, it would behoove everybody to practice. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I guess it's going to be some time before we get everyone to line up, although I think uh, people are doing a better job than just as recent as a few years ago. Define for us, if you would, Judith, uh, your term, net etiquette. Um, net etiquette comes from the term uh, from way back when, actually. I mean, net etiquette has been around before we even knew email existed pretty much. And it's a, it's a combination of network etiquette. And it was just a compilation of just general guidelines so everybody could, you know, play nicely and be on the same page and have the same expectations. And then as technology evolved, I, I mean, to this day, I'm still evolving that site, my articles, my quote-unquote rules, so that people can give the best, you know, impression possible, especially when it comes to business. It's, it, you know, it could be a deal-breaker. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of people, uh, you tell me, but I, I, th I feel a lot of people don't really take in consideration the kind of impressions they're making with their email. And, and you, you find that uh, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, casualness today with regard to business email. Oh, you betcha. And I don't know where they come. Actually, I have clients that have been with me for a decade who totally ignore email etiquette, and they know what I stand for on that. Um, Online, there's just this perception that you can decide what you're willing to do or not. And, you know, that's a neat thing. You certainly can. But when it comes to business, you know, you're gonna, if you're going to have that kind of lax attitude, you could just be pretty much lost opportunity is what that will cause. Yeah. So w was there any one particular transgression that inspired you to, to write this book? I know from uh, your, your uh, website, uh, you, you list a lot of these uh, transgressions and, and behavior and so forth and give encouragement through, through your own website. But any, anything in particular that uh, made you decide that maybe it was time to write this book? Actually, it was just email after email after email of people just not having a clue and not knowing any better, which was through no fault of their own. I mean, the Internet hit us, here we are, now you better use it, and everybody was just thrown into it. And, you know, just recently they've started covering this topic at, you know, schools and EDUs where educators are using my materials and, you know, starting to get involved because if they don't teach it, how are those kids going to know? Mm -hmm. So we're evolving. You know, like you said, in the last couple of years I've seen a marked interest in this, although there are still those who react viscerally to the topic, send me death threats, how dare I? <laughs> Expect me, you know, tell people what to do and to be, really be courteous and thoughtful online. That's, I guess, being pretty nervy. Yeah, you mentioned in your book that uh, that sometimes, I guess we all, and I don't know that Ray and I bump into it much, but that there's sometimes you bump into a, a person on the other end of an email that's just uh, a little more brave and a little more rude than they probably would be on a on a face to face basis, and you give some advice on how to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah, people are, are overly bold when hiding behind their screen. So I always just take the high ground and speak from a point of knowledge, no name-calling, no personalizing, and always, you know, um, send an email that I'd be proud to read at a later date. Yeah, I think that's good advice. You know, let's jump into the meat of, of, of what you uh, write about here. Share with our audience, if you would, Judith, some of the basics everyone should know when communicating by email. 
well, let's just concentrate on business, because of course with personal stuff you have all different dynamics going on there. Right. But you know, you know, when it comes to business, you want to respond promptly. That's very important, as promptly as possible, because people think you're ignoring them. That's what they assume. So you need to get that right off the table. Um, another thing you need to be very cognizant of is your subject field. That's the window into your email, and many times we'll determine even if it gets open. So you want to make sure that that's short, sweet, and concise. Um, your level of formality. That's another thing that people goof up about. They get too informal too fast. And as you know in business, there's formalities there for a reason. So you, you let the other side guide you as to when you become a little more informal. Um, from addressing to even how you sign off. Um, you want to cater to what your customer is comfortable with formality-wise. And you don't certainly want to go and get all informal on them too soon, because that leaves a bad impression. Let's see, what else can we talk? Oh, we can talk about how's this? Formatting. I mean, how many emails have you gotten where people have goofy signature files or fonts you can't read or, you know, they're colorblind and their combination of colors um, don't yeah. really leave a good impression. So always just stick with your email um, default from font to font size to not using formatting to communicate. Don't worry about bolding or red or highlighting. You know, use our wonderful English language and a, and a varied vocabulary to um, communicate your, your thoughts with clarity rather than relying on formatting. Because with formatting, you're leaving the emphasis up to the other side to decide how much emphasis you mean. Many times they're going to take it a lot. Like time ten is probably what you meant. Yeah, and you know, Ray and I were goofing around one day on on uh, email, and we our typeface back and forth kept getting bigger and bigger to make our point. But yet you say, and rightly so, I guess, uh, stay away from all caps, right? Uh, yeah, that's considered yelling or screaming. I mean, if you have one word and you cap just the one word for emphasis, in people's minds they scream it out in their head when when they're <laughs> So there's, there's really no need for that. I mean, I, I think you can show emphasis without really having to rely on formatting that can be taken the wrong way by the other side. You, know, you want to try to control your message to make sure it's as clear and the, the tone you want to relay is, is, is what you want the other side to know about instead of leaving that up to them to try to guess about. This is our special guest, uh, Judith Callos, author of Because Netiquette Matters here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. One thing that I always like to see on a signature is give me contact information. Yeah. Give me an, an ability to call you back if I need to. Uh, there was one uh, email that I got today that didn't have the um, uh, a cell number on it. Would have been helpful. You know, I, I've got it somewhere, but I've got to go look for it and hunt for it. Mm-hmm. So that just makes a lot of sense. And we've got a lot more to talk about, too, as well with Judith along with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here on The Advertising Show. Theadvertisingshow.com, great destination. Visit it often and tell your friends about it, too. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Welcome back to the Advertising Show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest, Judith Kalos out of Mississippi this weekend, author of Because Netiquette Matters. By the way, you want to find out more, more about it, go to netmanners.com. That's netmanners.com. Judith, welcome back to the Ad Show. Oh, hello there. 
Yeah, and uh, if you if you're just now joining us, and I don't know why you would be, but <laughs> if you were, late, uh, you know, yeah, that's know, right. right. Yeah, well, apparently uh, last uh, segment we were talking a little bit about some of the basics, and and you mentioned responding promptly and uh, subject field as well as level of formality, and let that uh, be pretty much dictated by the other person. Uh, Ray and I have mentioned frequently here on the advertising show that for some reason. Uh, Ray and I received a lot of email throughout 06 that, uh, in the subject field, they were always wanting to either lower our interest rate <laughs> or make some part of our bodies larger and bigger. Raise our libido. Yeah, that's, that's right. Well, that too. Yeah, I don't even but, know parts of the body. So well, I was just, we thought that maybe you could combine it with an interest rate and somehow be creative about it. But I want to go back to uh, what you said about uh, uh, responding prop- promptly. And, I, you know, we're all busy and we all get uh, uh, get away from the office. I think a lot of people tend to think that people are connected to the Internet 24-7, and not everyone has a BlackBerry. I'm curious, how would you uh, define uh, what would be considered reasonable reply time? Is there a basic rule, Judith, about how much time can elapse before you're considered late in responding to an email? I think people start feeling ignored if a, if a full business day goes by. If, you, if, you, if they email you in the morning and by the next morning they don't have a response. You know, that, that sort of lends them to believe that maybe their communication is not a priority. Right. You know, that's what they're going to assume. So that's why you have to nip it in the bud and reply as quickly as possible. Yeah. Let me, is it, uh, do people use instant messaging in a business uh, form today? Is that considered acceptable? It's an informal mode of communication that should be taken just for that and used appropriately and at the right time and at the right place. And if you think about email in general and what we're talking about, so much of this has to do with discretion. And you can't teach people discretion. Sometimes they have to learn that the hard way. But a lot of times when people make email faux pas or get in trouble with technology, it's because they didn't rely on their discretion to do what was right. So certainly sneaky IMs while during a meeting is not appropriate. Um, expecting people to always be available because you see them online is assuming. Um, you know, it's a back to a courtesy thing. Always think of the other side or the other people who can be affected by your actions as to whether they're appropriate or not. Yeah, and I think that's good advice. You know, you, you'd mentioned in your book about how it is that, uh, you know, you, you have some great tips about getting organized and, and how you can uh, go about that, especially, the, of course, this being the new year. Everybody likes to get organized. I, I like to bring a, a leaf blower into my office and just, you know, clean it all out that way and then start over. And any important uh, material usually makes its way back into my office. Can you name five essential tips for us, Judith, in organizing your email? Um, put your delete button to work. <laughs> People hold on to things for years, even sales that are no longer valid. So the way I advise people to do is if, if they they look at the subject field, if it's funny characters or alphanumeric gibberish or any of the topics that you mentioned, just hit delete right off the bat and, and get those out of the way. You know, if it's something you don't recognize, that helps weed you, you know, weed that out of the way so you're down to the important stuff. And then after you do that, you, you know, you're ready to determine if the me- emails that you have left are something that you want to deal with or not. So if you're getting emails from the same location or the same topic, create a folder, put it right in there. You know, right on, there's this wonderful thing called filters and rules. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's in Outlook, it's called rules. In uh, programs like Eudora, it's called uh, filters. 
where based on, let's say, someone's email address or um, a special keyword in the subject field, on the download, you can have those emails go into their folder, instantly organizing you right there. So that is something I always tell people to look into is if you're in, if you have Outlook, investigate how to use rules in your door, investigate how to use filters so that as your email is downloading, it's going into its own, you know, the appropriate folders so that you can be organized right out of the bag. Then whatever's in your inbox after you do that, you either put it in a folder, you delete it, or you create a new filter and folder for it. And then the worst part of all is you have to read the stuff. So you read it, and right then and there you decide to delete or file it. And if you do that every time you check your email and you, and you have a little discipline with that, you'll find you can remain relatively organized. Yeah, and you know, you you also mentioned that uh, when you when you're reading your emails, you can prioritize when you want to, uh, you know, when you want to address them and and so forth. And there's a tendency, I think, for a lot of people to get a bit overwhelmed with uh, email, and they there is no prioritization. Any thoughts on that, Judith? Well, you you know, a lot of these programs will allow you to color code messages, so you can have red being important, you know, orange being I'm not sure. Um, green being a financial thing you have to address. So a lot of the programs allow you to um, organize your email visually by color. I mean, everybody organizes differently, so not one set pattern is going to fit any, you know, um, you know, one-size-fits-all kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So find a system that works for you. Create your folders. You know, um, color code them if that's what helps you. Uh, change their priority levels if that's what helps you. And then once you find the system that works with you, you have to stick with it. And that's really the only way to tackle it is, is doing. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Ray's got a, a, a bunch of uh, email in a folder in my uh, Outlook, and for some reason they have all these attachments that we're going to talk about next uh, segment that has to do about Think Before You Forward, which is one of your chapters. Oh, yeah, that's smart uh, smart advice. Judith Talos, author of The Cosnetiket Matters out of uh, Mississippi, with us this weekend here on The Advertising Show. We've got Judith for one more segment, and we hope you stay with us. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. What's up? Dino's stolen the different vitamins we need to make Flintstones. Yabba-dabba-doo, yabba-dabba-doo. Flintstone vitamins are good to chew with vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C. We're back at The Advertising Show. Ray Schillings, Brad Forsyth. This conversation today kind of reminds me of spring cleaning for your Outlook Express, right? In other words, making things right. Our special guest is uh, Judith Callas, author of Because Netiquette Matters, and it's great to have you on the show. Welcome back. Good to be here. I'm having a blast. Yeah, and make sure and forward the link to uh, your uh, uh, archive to all of your friends and family, Judith, and we'll test you on that the following week to see if you did it properly. I will look forward to that. <laughs> it's okay, and that would be available at theadvertisingshow.com. Uh, you know, we were talking um, last segment about a, a lot of great stuff, and I, and I uh, teased a little bit about the uh, the tendency for people to, to forward various uh, emails, and that being typically uh, videos today, uh, other uh, attachments and things that, you know, frankly, uh, the, per- the recipient just really doesn't want typically. Uh, any just kind of general overall rule? that you could provide our listeners with as far as uh, forwards? 
Yes, exactly. This is one of the biggest problems online that I get contacted about most. I even just put an article on my site. How do I tell them to stop forwarding? Because so many people ask me about this. So you don't, if, if you can't take the time to write a personal comment to the person you're forwarding to about why they would enjoy or find interesting that specific forward you're sending to them, then don't. And another good rule of thumb is it says forward to all your friends, hit delete. Mm -hmm. Solves the problem right there. Um, yeah. it just, you know, most people um, will hit their whole address book. They'll show all of their contact email addresses in the to field, exposing them to spammers and strangers. So if you're going to send to a bunch of people, put their address in the BCC field, and then they forward political commentary, humor, all these little feel-good things, and the other side may not be interested. And when they ask the other side to stop, we have hurt feelings because they think they're being thoughtful. So be real thoughtful. If you can't take the time to write a personal comment, then don't. Right. And, you know, uh, you talk about misunderstanding, and you cover this in, in your book. Uh, in a lot of cases, people are better at communicating the old way, through phones. Uh, and, and, and oftentimes people miscommunicate in an email because there's, uh, I guess, an inability for the recipient to to see the nuances, uh, the expression on someone's face or the tone of the particular uh, word that's being expressed there. And I, I know that you've, uh, you've got some great advice uh, if you ever get an email that seems to not really uh, reflect the tone of what you know that person to be and, and, and how to handle those kind of things, Judith. Well, you sort of cut him some slack. I have one client in particular who every email comes off as terse because he doesn't have a greeting, he doesn't say thank you, he doesn't sign his name. But I know from meeting with him in person, he's the greatest guy. So with him, I, I cut him some slack. But if you ever have a concern, email back and ask for clarification before you react. Uh -huh. And if you know that someone just sent you an emotional email that you're upset about, wait till the next morning, believe me. Because if you, if you pound on the keyboard now and click send, most likely you'll regret it. So on emotional stuff, just wait till the next morning so, so cooler heads can prevail before you respond, if at all. Or how about uh, go ahead and type it out, but put it in a draft and read it the next day and thank yourself for not sending it, huh? Yeah, that works too, but you know what happens? Some people forget and they end up sending it. You know, they, put, <laughs> they don't move it out of the folder and it ends up going off anyways and then, you know, they're, yeah. they're hiding. You know, we have a lot of uh, young listeners here on the advertising show. Talk a little bit about, in just the few minutes we have left here, uh, job searchers out there. Talk about some of the basic rules, if you would, Judith, for online job searching. Search the site for the person that you want to contact by name. If it's not on the site, pick up the old-fashioned telephone and ask. You want to have your resume be in a, um, let's, let's say, let's put it in PDF format, because that's a format that can be opened by the other side regardless of what kind of word processing they have, what word processing software. But follow their site's instructions to the T. Short cover letters, spell checks, please. You wouldn't believe some of the resumes I even see coming into my company. Yeah. You know, and always let them know that more information is available. And hmm. don't send PowerPoint presentations or, you know, or access databases about yourself. Uh, you know, short, sweet, professional, clean, directed at the person who asked for it based on the instructions on the site. And if you have any questions at all, pick up the phone and ask. 
30 seconds or less. Yeah, college professors aren't uh, aren't getting that across to their students. I think both, both Ray and I, who both uh, own our own companies, receive a lot of uh, email. And I'm not going to say that some aren't done properly. It's just in a lot of cases it seems like a mass email. It's impersonal, the whole thing. And it's just in today's world, there's just no need for that kind of Nor thing. Nor do they follow directions of what you ask them to do if you're uh, you know getting a, a, a resume or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Follow the directions. Follow directions is good. That that's it ought to be uh, number one, I guess, as far as that goes. Go get the book and uh, get some netiquette manners. Uh, Judith Callis out of uh, Mississippi this weekend here on the Advertising Show. Judith, it has been a joy to have you here, and thanks so much for being on the Advertising thanks Show. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again. Thanks, Judith. Back with more in just a moment with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for Ford. Standing on the corner, watching all the Fords go by. We are back for one final segment here on The Advertising Show. Again, thanks so much uh, to our uh, special guest today, author and uh, HTML-type person, Judith Kalos, uh, because Netiquette Matters is the book, you can go to her website and uh, find out more about that. Uh, I don't have it here, though, so you can't go to her website and uh, just just Google Judith Kalos, but p- please be nice about it, okay? We have uh, Ford uh, in the news this past week as well. Ford and Microsoft together have developed an in-car communication systems, Brad. Hmm. That's kind of cool. Uh, they're partnering with Microsoft for an exclusive in-vehicle digital communications uh, system that one expert said could render GM uh, the OnStar system and uh, basically obsolete. Hmm. That's, that's pretty big. The system that's is called hmm. Sync. It'll allow drivers to seamlessly connect any mobile phone or digital media player uh, with their vehicle's steering wheel or radio controls. That's dangerous. Uh, Ford will have syncs exclusively through the uh, calendar year 2008. And uh, let's see, syncs voice-activating capabilities allow hands-free dialing, mobile phones, and uh, three-way calling available English, Spanish, and or French. Hmm. Or all three at the same time, if you want. Well, you know, I saw that coming out of the uh, auto show out of Detroit a few weeks ago, and yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. And of course, if you're going <laughs> to take a shot at the big guy, take the you know take the OnStar, who's the the leader in that category, and tell them that you're going to make them obsolete. Ray, I've got a piece here uh, from what I like to call, and I'm going to try to pick up on these throughout uh, 07. It's, the category is going to be let's waste money finding out what we already know. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the Pew uh, study, teens favor MySpace. Not every teenager hangs out on social networking websites, but the vast majority of those who do spend their time on MySpace, uh, that's where they are of all social networks. That, according to a new report issued by the Pew Internet and American Life Project, which found that 55% of Americans' kids aged 12 to 17 claim to visit social networking sites. Well, we needed to study this Wow. to know yeah. that. How about I mean, come on. (laughs) There are some things that are just a given is what you're suggesting. Well, I I think 55% of American kids aged 12 to 17 claim to visit social networking sites. I think that's a little low, frankly. Oh, really? I Uh, do. You're probably right. You're probably right about that. I wonder what Patrick Meyer would have to say about that. Here's the, uh, the marketing insider on the advertising show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. 
It's the Marketing Insider, featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about something that came out of a young DJ in London a couple years before we started our company. He said, it's just not with it. It's just not now. A brand has to be now. So my business partner and I took that idea, planted it back of our minds, and continue to listen for now as a proposition or as a desired trait in a brand. About a year ago, we did a CMO summit where the top brand CMOs talked about where were their brands, brand vitality, challenges, brand innovation, etc. We served up the idea of now, and they're all about, it's about now, not trendy. It's about being now, being recommended by consumers to their friends. It's about being now and delivering today's benefits and setting up for tomorrow. It's about innovation now and tomorrow, and most importantly, it's about business performance now. Intrigued with that premise, we recently did a survey called the Now Not Now survey of top brands with people 18 to 35 across the U.S. The findings I think you'll find of interest. The number one now brand, Google. Number two, Apple iPod. Number three, Target. Number four, Coca-Cola the brand. Number five, Tebow. Number six, eBay. Number seven, Starbucks. Number eight, Best Buy. Number nine, Sony. And number 10, Subway. These are brands that the consumers said they would recommend to friends that fit their lifestyle today or people like them. We also had a measure, which was brand momentum. Number one on momentum going up, iPod. Number two, Google. Number three, TiVo. Number four, eBay. Number five, Target. Also coming up quick, XM and Sirius Radio, Satellite Radio. My point, my friends, is that brands are dynamic. They have energy and they have momentum. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. You know, Patrick's talking about uh, Sirius, Brad, and Sirius... I didn't think this would ever happen. Well, maybe not never, but uh, this soon. Sirius has paid Howard Stern a bonus. They gave him a little Christmas bonus. Get out. Yeah. And uh, it's just to the tune of $83 million. Hmm. Uh, It says, looks like uh, Sirius CEO Mel Karmazin may have made the right bet when he recruited Stern away from CBS. Uh, The satellite radio's number two uh, player paid Howard Stern an $83 million bonus for his assistance in delivering enough new subscribers to exceed Sirius's goal of 2 million subscribers. Like $83 million? Like he solely did that? Come on. Yeah, come on. That's silly. So, and what, well, it, good for good for uh, Howard, I guess, or his business manager to get a deal like that, huh? His accountant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, wait, his heirs. That's I what mean, it is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're an investor, and I, this is not investment advice, but... Uh, you know, if you're an investor and, and the satellite stocks are not doing all that well, as I recall, single digit. But, uh, I didn't think so. No, but... Uh, not going to do any better now, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, if I'm an investor and I hear I'd, that kind I'd of thing... I'd be ticked off, yeah. Yeah, I would, too. So I am, and I'm not even an investor. I'm ticked off. Yeah, $83 million bucks dollar bonus? Come on, man. Wow. wonder how yeah. much of a bonus Mel got. Uh, yeah, that's the bigger question. Uh, hey, Alex Ben Block is with us next week uh, on the advertising show. We've got Alex, and this will be his first appearance 
in, in the brand the new, new year, year. Yeah. and uh, it'll be the last. Man, this week, this year is just flying. It's going to be the final week of uh, January of '07 already. Brad, mm-hmm. take your Christmas tree down, please. <laughs> Thank you very much. Your neighbors are complaining because they say they smell uh, something along the lines of old, stale Lysol coming Fruit from cake. your living room, <laughs> from your tree. That's exactly right. Yeah, which is now in a closet. Okay. <laughs> And Put it, it back in the really attic. Good in there, yeah. No, it never goes in the attic again, and neither will yeah. I. So uh, <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the advertising show today, being powered by uh, Shipple.com. Ed Shipple and his crew here in the Houston market are incredibly uh, cool people. They do a great job of web marketing. Shipple is S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. So go check it out if you want to make your website uh, working for you in 07. Alex Ben Block joins us next week on the Advertising Show, and we hope you'll be with us here. It's a good idea to come visit the Advertising Show anytime throughout the week and tell your friends about it, too. That was a gem of a uh, marketing tip that we got from somebody. I can't forget who. I remember who. But uh, anyway, uh, check it out, theadvertisingshow.com, which is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit them online at adage.com. They've got a new web design site as well. Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. 